Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Minutes with Mute presented by Chestnut Hill Technology. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to have you on board. Scott Mutrin will join us. Uh, first, I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to join the BC Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and become a member. You can tailgate before the game. It's a lot of fun. It gets newsletters as well. So it's a great club, the BC Football Gridiron Club. Uh, okay, let's get right into it now with Scott Mutrin on Minutes of Mute. You can hear him on the sidelines of the Learfield IMG radio network. And BC, Scott fell a tight game, 27-24 to Wake Forest. The Eagles fall to 3-2 and two overall. Just want to get your general thoughts before we break it down, Scott. Well, first, uh, you know, i got to give my credit as a Gridiron Club uh, member. My uh, credit and props to uh, Paul Cristioni and Don Therian, two great guys. Yes. That, uh, as for BC fans, those are guys that, you know, do a great job for the Gridiron Club. They, they do a lot, not just for the home games, but for the away games. A lot of credit to those guys and the hard work and, and the love for Boston College that they have is, is admirable. And they do such a great job. Uh, kudos to those guys. Yeah, you know, Don as well, he's on top of the newsletters, the email chains. You know, it's really, really impressive. I remember seeing them at the bowl game. You're right. They traveled every game. It's You're right, Scott. It's really impressive. And the great, the other great thing is that for, usually for home games, Don gets a couple lucky winners to come down and spend the first half with me. So if you're listening and you get that chance, I always enjoy talking football and listening to other people during, uh, you know, going through the first half of home games. So uh, always a great, great enjoy. For me to, to get to, to really touch base with a lot of the fans and hear and feel their passion. And, you know, then this this Saturday, was there was a lot of passion and excitement week in the first half against Wake Forest. Really a back-and-forth game. Yeah, and you know what? It didn't start out well after BC goes out three and out in that first series, and then they're down a quick ten points. The, the defense did a good job of kind of bowing their necks to, to – make Wake kick a field goal to only make it a 10-point game, and then BC got their legs underneath them and mostly got A.J. Dillon going. So when you get number two going, it's it's a real pleasure to watch, and he actually he's making it look easy these last three games. Uh, that's a big credit to the offensive line as well, which he would tell you, but he is uh, – he has been a difference maker these last three games and has done such a great job. And when he's able to, to, to run the ball with the effectiveness that he has in these last three games and not with a ton of carries, you're not seeing he hasn't gone over the 30 carry mark, which is great to see, and still putting up those great numbers. It's, it's impressive to see. And then Anthony Brown, after an early interception, bounced back nicely and had a great first half. He was 14 for 16 with a couple touchdowns, so it was it was good to see the offense get on track. They did struggle a little bit on third down, which was against the norm this year. They've been very good with their, on third down on offense this year. Uh, so that was that was a little troubling this week because you just – a couple drives that they get a couple first downs or move the sticks a little more would obviously give them a couple more scoring opportunities and obviously – 
going forward in the third quarter and having that inter- that second interception and then the the missed field goal execution in the uh, third in the fourth quarter that would have you know would have tied the game uh, with some frustrating parts. But I mean, 523 yards of offense. That's those are big numbers to be putting up versus a, a quality, uh, you know, an undefeated ACC opponent at home. Yeah, you know, and you know, so BC falls three and two overall. And you, you know, what's frustrating, I think, as a fan, is BC. You know, throughout the Kansas game uh, and this game, BC could be five and zero right now too. Um, so this is a game at home, ACC game. You hate to fall, see it fall through the cracks like that with the offensive input, as you mentioned, Scott. But let, let's break it down too. Let's let's go. Everyone's talking about that field goal. Let's go right to it. Um, BC, I th- what was it? A forty-four yarder was lining up, um, and then they, the clock just goes to zero. The play clock, a delayed game. Um, they push back five yards, and then the next play, a bad snap, of course, and BC turns the ball over. Just give us your whole take on that play. Everyone's talking about it because you know BC lost by three points. Yeah, and it's obviously a big factor when you you have to get through the whole mechanics of of getting through that process. But, you know, obviously you have a coach watching that, and Steve Adazio felt that they had enough time to get it off. And actually I felt it as well as I was standing there watching it go down. I thought the kicking unit uh, did not have enough sense of urgency, and and that's mostly on the holder, I thought. The holder, uh, Dennis Grossell, who's the quarterback, knows where the 25-second clock is, and when he's running on that field, he's got to set the tempo for everybody, whether they need to hurry and get lined up. And I felt that they were a little too nonchalant getting into that, and either he needs to call the timeout or he needs to get that snap. But I felt they were ready in time, and I felt that they were just a little too lax there. And then that hurts them, and then you move back five yards, and the first field goal goes through and looked like with plenty of leg to spare because the wind was helping and they were in a good direction. And then the second one, it was just a bad snap. It never got off the ground. And and then you just lose a golden opportunity. And, and when you – points are so precious that you need them in, in these conference games that you just can't give them away like that. So those are some frustrating takes from that, that they need to be able to convert there and – be able to put points on the board in the kicking game and not just have to, to get touchdowns. Another thing that struck me, too, on the defensive side, uh, Wake Forest was 17 of 24 for uh, third downs, which I think in part is good because you you forced Wake Forest in the first and second down into third down territory 24 times, but they converted 17 of those. That's just, you can't, you can't have that happen, Scott. That's, that's not a winning percentage number, and Wake Forest ran, I believe, 87 plays or 78 one or the other in my dyslexic brain I can't figure it out right now (laughs) but um yeah so they that was the problem BC goes and gets it to a field goal game with on the the David Bailey halfback pass you got all the momentum going there's about you know six minutes 550 left in the game when they have the ball and they have three separate third down opportunities that if they stop them, they're going to get the ball with some significant clock left and maybe even some timeouts because if they stopped them in the first two series, Steve Adazio didn't start calling timeouts till the third, uh, to the second third down conversion. So he would have been able to save all those timeouts and, and go down the field. And they just weren't able to get a stop, whether it was they couldn't get any pressure or they couldn't hold coverages long. Wake Forest had some, had some good receivers. They were able to, to make some plays in the passing game and, and win some of the matchups as BC 
either try to match up with zone or man behind it. So I think for me in, in those drives when you're you're looking to make a play, I, I would have hoped they would have maybe been a little more aggressive and may have gone after them with a, with a blitz and kind of just leave your guys on an island and see what happens. Uh, it's a risky proposition if you don't get home, but, you know, sometimes no risk, no reward. So I would have liked to have seen that at some point. They did a good job of getting the ball back, but they just they just didn't have enough time to really do anything once the once they got the ball back and pinned so deep in their own territory. But when you look at it, is if you can't get off the field on third down, two things happen. One, on defense, so you wear your guys out because they're on for a lot of plays and they're on for a lot of time. And then two, the offense doesn't get a chance to establish any rhythm. And although BC had 520 yards offense, with them being two for 12 on third down, you can you know kind of see and understand that. And, and then losing the turnover margin three to one. So those are some some tough uh, tough breaks. Considering they played well, I almost want to say from 20 to 20 on offense. Um, they it, it's frustrating to look at those offensive production numbers and, and see that you're on the, the the wrong end of the scoreboard. Yeah, they were two for 12 on third down. BC was on the offensive side. But I was at the game. I was I was uh, actually pointing out to my mom too. I thought of you. Uh, Scott, last week you were talking about Wake Forest receivers, Scotty Washington. You know, I didn't realize how tall he was, and it was noticeable. I think he had one TD, the size difference. And, the, the, you know, he had five catches, 94 yards, but pretty impressive game from him as well on the Wake side. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Yeah, and, and Jamie Newman, to his credit, he had a great game. I mean, you're looking at a guy right now who is top seven in the in the, in the country passing yardage yep, yep. and efficiency-wise, and he only has two interceptions, so he's having a great year. He, is all, he also runs for 100 yards. He gets a 45-yard run on a third and one, which extends the drive and led to a touchdown. But he does a good job of getting his playmakers the ball, and he, he hung on them and gave his receivers a chance to make plays, and they, they did in the end zone. The Boston College defensive backs weren't able to, to make a big stop if, if they didn't prevent the catch. There seemed to be a penalty that, that extended some drives as well. So... That, that's frustrating to watch when you, you know, like you mentioned, it's great that they got 24 third downs for Wake Forest. You know, that's a good, that's sign of a good sign because you're stopping them. But when they're able to to convert on those and then just make a play and, and, and not, you know, make a catch or something along those lines, it, it just hurts the, the demeanor of, of your, your team because you work so hard to get the third down and they're able to, to convert it. It's tough that they're able to just to throw the ball up and let their guys go make a play because that's, you know, you work so hard to get to that third down, then they can just throw it up and their guy's bigger and, and they make a play or get or get a penalty called. So you can see how that would frustrate a team, and, and I think it did for Boston College. And, you know, they did get an interception in the back end. Mike Palmer made a nice play, and it was – it's always tough if you're not getting heat on the quarterback to – 
they they're able to sit back there and just throw the ball. It, it it makes their life a lot easier. So BC did get better, you know, as the game progressed. And it's definitely not the same defense you saw against Kansas. And I you know hope and think that they're going to continue to get better as as they head into the the meaty part of the schedule. Yeah, no question about it. Newman, by the way, six four, two hundred twenty nine pounds, big boy. Uh, there as well. But you're right, too. Nothing more backbreaking. On a third and six, the receiver throw it up, he gets seven yards, and the chains move. Uh, so that, that happened a lot during the game. All right, let's switch to the offense side. I always like to get your take on the BCQB, Anthony Brown. How would you grade him out for his, his performance today? He was uh, uh, 24 for 29, 265 yards, two TDs, and two picks. Yeah, I thought A.B. bounced back after that first interception pretty well. I thought Mike Bajakin did a good job of changing up some of their early downs uh, tendencies. They did a couple of the, the bootlegs that they like to do off, off heavy play action, but they did a lot of uh, semi-rolls and sprint rolls to coming out out of the shotgun as well on first down, which... It shrinks the field, but it also it, it simplifies some some progression reads. And Anthony was AB was able to get a couple good completions and and move the sticks and, and big chunky completions too, where you get 15 to, to 17 yards. So he uh, he he played well. He bounced back from that first interception, and then the second one, it's a fourth down play. I thought that was a I thought he threw that one a little bit late. It was kind of what they had been running so far, and I think he got a little bit late, and it was a little bit inside. And, and that kind of hurt him. But then he hit some big plays. He hit Dave for a touchdown. Um, he threw, he had a nice little almost basketball chest pass to David Bailey for a touchdown. So he hit some, he hit some good routes. He got the tight ends involved, which I, I like to see because that makes the BC offense even more dynamic. And if they can continue to do that, I really think it's going to open a lot of other things up. And I really think that that's a reason why AJ's had, you know, has uh, such a good game because he had some big chunky yards. He got 150, you know, some 50 plus rushing yards on 23 carries. So that says that the defense was was softened up by some intermediate passing game. That the tight ends are doing some work and that the perimeter guys are doing some work as well. All right, let's move on now. We have Louisville, 12 noon Saturday. Louisville's an interesting team. They lost to Notre Dame and lost to Florida State. They beat uh, Western Kentucky and beat Eastern Kentucky. So. Uh, they beat teams they sh- probably should beat. They've lost. Uh, I don't know, Florida State's a bad loss. But let, what do you think about the Louisville uh, Cardinals? Well, they're coming off a bye week. They've they've had some quarterback shifts as their their original quarterback, Juwan Pass, got hurt. He missed a couple games. Malik Cunningham had come in and done a pretty good job. He got hurt uh, at the end of the Florida State game, I believe, but he rested during the bye week. I don't know if he's going to be back, but what I, from what I've heard, Javon Pass is back, taking some of the first team reps. Um, they're definitely more of a run-heavy team. They're they're about two to one rushes versus passing. They're obviously going through the coaching change there with what Scott Satterfield, I believe, their their coach. Is that correct? Yeah, replacing Petrino. Um, yeah, for replacing Bobby Petrino, and he's. Um, you know they're they're trying to figure out who they are. They got some Tutu uh, Atwell is a, a tough little slot receiver for them. He's a sophomore, five nine guy. He has some explosive plays, and then Des Fitzpatrick is a, one of those taller six two wide receivers that's a makes some plays down the field. He I think he averages about sixteen yards a catch. He's pretty tough, uh, and they're they're pretty tough versus the run. They're not too bad uh, versus versus that. Although you know. 
Cook from Florida State had three touchdowns. He ran for 120 yards. But they have struggled versus the pass. You've seen Florida State put up some big passing numbers, even with uh, their starter went down, James Blackman gets hurt, Alex Hornibrook comes in and throws for three touchdowns. So people have had some success throwing the football versus them. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how PC attacks them. But also, let's not forget, two years ago, this was uh, A.J. Dillon's coming out party where he threw, what was his name, little Scotty Washington, whatever that guy's name was. <laughs> I remember the play, yeah. Yeah, for Louisville, he threw, he threw him out the club, as Gronk would say, and uh, and made highlights everywhere. So, you know, maybe if B.C. can get down there, and the offensive line, let's, let's be honest, for B.C. has played exceptionally well. So if they can continue to play well, like hopefully B.C. can take advantage of that uh, Florida State, they, I mean, excuse me, uh, Louisville hasn't turned the ball over, thrown, thrown it much, so we'll, we'll have to see. But I think you're going to see kind of what team wants to establish the run and can, and can establish the run more effectively is, is going to be the team that's going to be probably on the winning side of this because both these teams look like they want to run the football and kind of control that line of scrimmage and, and wear some teams down and then hit them over the top with some big plays, and whether it's out of play action or off RPO action. And then, you know, looking at Louisville's schedule, they really want to narrow focus on this BC game because the next three after this is Wake Forest, Clemson, and Virginia for them. So this is a big stretch for Louisville. I'm sure they want to get a W against BC. All right, Scott, last question for me. Uh, after five games, almost halfway to, through, BC 3-2. and two. What do you think – what's BC fans' reaction? What should we be? Should we be uh, av- happy, disappointed, with this record, how do you think we should all uh, be, be reading the seasons halfway through almost? Well, I would expect everyone, if you'd have said at this point, most people would have said three and two or four and one. So, you know, a couple people would have said five and oh. I, I think the fact that the, the Kansas loss is there stung because that's, that's a game you schedule, even though it's a power five conference they hadn't won in forever. I think a lot of people expected that to be a win. And, to be outplayed in that game was was definitely a disappointment. I, I know a lot of people probably viewed the Wake Forest game as a toss-up or a win, understandable. But I, I would guess most people would have expected BC to be four and one to three and two at this point, and knowing that they needed to to do that to because of the back end of the schedule is pretty heavy and, and tough conference games and tough opponents, especially on the road. So you're kind of I would say there's probably a little bit of disappointment from, from BC fans that they, they expected to maybe be one game ahead in the standings, and especially with this offense coming back. So they're, they're anxious to see what's going to happen these next two games. I think these next two games are big, big, big games for Boston College and the rest of their season. If they're able to, to beat Louisville and then beat North Carolina State coming off the bye – and you're five and two going into Clemson or Syracuse. Syracuse, Syracuse, Um, yeah. Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. Oh, Clemson, then Syracuse, sorry. Five and two going into Clemson. I mean, ideally, I'm sure people would have loved to have been six and one or even seven and oh, but if you can be five and two and going into that, that's that's not a bad, uh, not a bad place to be. All right, Scott, what's the travel plans? Are you excited to go to Kentucky uh, this weekend? Um, I am. I am. There is a place that we frequented last time we were down there, and uh, they had. It's right by the KFC Center, and it was called 
the uh, what was it called? The uh, I don't know the exact name, but they had they had bacon on a stick, which was dipped in in maple and bourbon, which is absolutely <laughs> delicious. Uh, that we had that. They also had some beer beer fried can. Uh, excuse me, beer can fried chicken, which was delicious. That I had. Uh, but I believe that we're going to, uh, where are we going to someplace? I believe the place is called Doc Crow's Southern Smokehouse in Raw Bar. So that sounds like there's going to be some barbecue on my horizon. Although I'm still kind of in the bar, in the body transformation, that is actually day 31 that I'm able to, to step out. I don't know if I'm going to. I might have to maintain some discipline still, but it looks like <laughs> we're going to have a good, Good little spot to go grab some dinner that, on that, Friday, which is always nice and early bed because we got an early game because I got to get up early and get a workout in in the morning. Yeah, there you go. And uh, people who don't know, you know, it's always I've been there once, but uh, Churchill Downs is right next door to the Papa John Stadium, so it's always a good, then, nice so setting. I actually played in Papa John Stadium when it was just that. Now that they have a whole facility built up there, it was. Uh, They've really done a great job with the facilities there at Louisville. They've raised a lot of money, and their sports programs are, are very well invested in. So it's it's a really nice place to go. The stadium's beautiful. They've done a great job there, and it's, it's, a, it's a good place to go watch a college football game. All right, Scott. We'll be watching. We'll be hearing you in the Learfield IMG Radio Network this weekend. As always, minutes are mute. Hopefully we'll talk next week, and BC is 4-2. Sounds great, Mike. Look forward to it. Well, thanks so much for Scott Mutrin for joining us here on the Minutes with Mew podcast as BC will play Louisville 1230 this Saturday. I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you need to be a part of the BC Football Gridiron Club. Just go to bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. Also, if you want to advertise on this Minutes with Mew podcast, just email Mike at LightsCamerasports.com. That's Mike at LightsCamerasports.com. Get in on the season as we're almost halfway through. Get some very reasonable rates as well. So as always, thank you for Scott Mutrin for joining us here on the Minutes with Mute. This is Mike Galtieri signing off, and good day. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.